sake. And we are live once again. Welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Praddy and this is episode 24 part 14. I can't believe it we've done 13 of these episodes. It's kind of surreal. I didn't think we'd get here but fortunately I've managed to get a lot of people onto this podcast this special episode so I'm really really happy. And welcome back to those of you who've been listening from part 1. Thank you for staying with us for so long. I hope you've enjoyed it and it means that we've done good content for now. And for those of you who are just joining in for episode uh, for part 14, please go back and listen to part 1 all over. I mean from part 1 all over again. Uh, but if you're here, welcome to the podcast. I'd like to give you a brief introduction of how this special episode has been structured. So basically in the month of throughout the month of January, I'll be interviewing a whole load of guests who are basically fans of various uh, various clubs across the world. and well we'll be getting their thoughts on certain topics that have been chosen by the guests themselves i've had minimal to no involvement in that and so i felt that would give them a better chance to voice something that they're more passionate about right and i at the end of each part i asked my guests what their favorite memories or moments were from 2019 as well as from the end of the decade because we're 2020 and it feels appropriate right to talk about the past 10 years it's going to be a lot of nostalgia uh, believe me but uh, nevertheless let me get to today today's part which is part 14 and i'd like to have my guest introduce himself we'll be talking about manchester united so i've obviously got a manchester united fan so shreyas why don't you introduce yourself okay hello all listeners i'm shreyas from bangalore i'm 23 years old i'm a manchester united supporter and i've been supporting them for the past 14 years brilliant i mean that's predominantly more than half your life man that's that's great uh, you've kind of seen the high the latter years of the highs of manchester united and obviously the past decade that's been quite a shit show uh, yeah. at least the past 6 years so let's 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 not say the whole decade but anyway so today we're going to be talking about manchester united transfer business or as my guest would like to say it's a transfer apathy episode we're going to talk about how it's been how it's gone so wrong for manchester united i mean shreyas so 10 years ago if i were to tell you right that your your loved, beloved club would spend 700 to 800 millions on a bunch of players high profile players star players as well as some relative unknowns and about 20 to 30% of them would actually be successful or success stories what would you have told me then i have actually thought you were telling me about liverpool not manchester united to be really honest because liverpool was a team that seemed to mess everything up at the start of the decade the fact that after rafa they never had you know a clear transfer policy they kept spending and wasting millions examples carol aquilani etc or i think the with manchester united fans is always the feeling that they would always be successful like even if sir alex you know what to leave they'd always be the fact that he'd appoint the proper successor and United would always be the calm team, the one who would go in the transfer market only when it's required. However, the fact that even if United were to break, let's say, world records and British transfer records, as they had always done previously, be for the right person who would give us the output and rarely, you know, have a failure. I think if you look at Ferguson's era, you could see maybe the two biggest failures would be one was Bebe, which I think every manager is entitled to one failure. Other would be Forland, who, even though it was a failure, did not do too badly for United. So, 
it's it's unexpected that's what i think it's hit most united fans the fact they didn't expect this sort of uh, circus act after ferguson yeah you definitely think i was joking or like cracking you a really good one but uh i mean it's happened 10 years on we are where we are manchester united's position has been very questionable from even a united's perspective and a neutral's perspective to have spent so much and not seen the success that everyone would have thought would have come with those kind of players the likes of angel de maria memphis depay uh i'm going to say i'm going to put pogba in there as well but uh you've got radamel falcao at one point and all of these guys latan as well so now 10 years later okay and now current situation how has it gone so wrong Look, I think the term apathy. So I think this sums it up, and that apathy starts right from the top. For I would say top in United Kingdom starts with Woodward because the Glazers have never shown any interest in, particularly concerning with themselves the football aspects, except from you know, ciphering their debts onto the club, which is issue for another day. But I think the fact is Woodward just been bothered more about the commercial side towards the beginning, and then the fact that he thought the United would always be run like a Fergie style club. The fact is he would bring in new players, would prioritize. them and only if required dip into the transfer market for emergency transfers or if it's really required you know to win a title like what happened with robin van persie but i think what's happened is i think the manager will come after that especially father david moyes wasn't given time and sacked very quickly and cruelly i would say they all been trying to sign players for their own benefit to just keep their jobs if there's been no clarity as to what the player need what the club needs and what type of player they sign in whether these players will actually last us more than two transfer windows for example if you want to look at other clubs even chelsea they sign players not although they have a few let's say misses they always sign a few players with a, either they are world class and to an extent will be able to play past the manager united have just been buying players to fit the manager i think the other side of the coin would be the fact that united always sell depending on what the manager is for example i think the best example would be the selling of Javier Hernandez by Elvigian. I think Mourinho. I think he also mentioned in a press conference that he would never have his right mind sold a poacher like that. I think if you look even now, somebody like Hernandez would have been a perfect asset for a club. And just the fact that one manager did not like him, I think is, I think setback United's attacking attacking progress for a long period of time. I think that's the biggest fact that there's been no club specific investment and it's all been on a particular manager. Particular manager having a interest in saving his job rather than actually contributing you know towards the club's growth okay i mean all fair points and quite reasonable i think i'd agree with most of them i want to ask you this and this might sound really really controversial right now when moyes was appointed everyone the whole narrative was moyes was chosen by sir alex ferguson as his successor yeah. and you would imagine that if alex saf uh ferguson had appointed or had written it in his say retirement will that he wanted moyes to succeed him why did why was there so much of a rush to kick him out and why was that patience not given that's point 1 okay so you can answer that and then the second point i'm trying i want to ask you is how much of a blame should we put on sir alex ferguson for not preparing the squad enough for his successor he knew he was going to retire soon nice. but you know the fact that he was so in control of everything from transfer business to anything football that he yeah. he knew that he should have kind of like not foreseen but kind of prepared his 
successor who he knew would have a tough time to emulate the guy to kind okay. of like to emulate himself so how much blame should we keep on saf to not uh to kind of have not advised woodward to hire a director of football at that point of time because okay. he knew what the business was or how tough the business is and he should have seen that the the way football was changing with the likes of city now emerging and their structure that not every manager is like him who can control all parts of business and that woodward wasn't a football man so okay so answer both parts you can do however Fine. you before want to before, before going into both you know in detail just make a reference to ferguson's last speech in ultra 45 am the when he when he beats swansea he think it clearly mentioned if i really clearly call and i'm paraphrasing here fact that moise needs to be given time i think ferguson knew that this was not a job that you can get done in one day for example look at most of the managers have come into the game look at somebody like club for however great he's been he which he took over a squad which had many players who had finished second the second or third the previous year you need time and the fact is i don't think for alex had to be blamed because i think had so alex tried to you know let's say prepare his squad better for successor and successor had turned out to be somebody who don't have his vision and then people will be blaming so alex for trying to win the title last season by his image and then not looking into what happened for the future i think that's i think if sales had done that it would have been what the blame united fans now keep on lvg vaghan because he was so intent on preparing the squad in his image and trying that he don't even look at you know the fact that other players could might use it in a different way for example you look at sales what so alex wanted and look at what david moyes wanted to buy it by everton and later he bought it west ham i know west ham and everton with manchester united no are not the same caliber of clubs but i think ferguson don't want to let's say prepare a squad as to make call it for a successor because i think he want a successor to you know have a free run at it by who he wants because he don't want to be accused of you know leaving a stag on a successor and successor having stuck to be stuck with his young players that fergie felt were great and on the other end of the direct of football i think that's basically how each manager manage manages i don't think you can blame ferguson because if you look at me various of his interviews i think in one in gf2 espn fc in 2015 or 16 clearly mentioned that my style of running does not need a manager of football i don't think you can blame fergie for you know, not appointing a director of football or you telling woodward because firstly woodward was never a person who was in touch with ferguson it was always david gill who made the decision so i think ferguson felt that his style of management was this and let the new guy take a shot at it because i think a lot of blame here has to go to ed woodward because Fergie, while Fergie may recommended the name and it may or may not have worked out it's up to the next ceo to decide what is best for the club ferguson may not do it because ferguson's style was to take everything on himself and do it because he was player manager who needed all that and he was a old school manager who preferred to handle everything by themselves i think all has to be decided the ceo to understand each manager's life falls each manager's mis- failures and then act on it and coming to david moyes i've always told you the remember conversations he always told you that david moyes was harshly treated by giving just one signing that to a felony when he when they had a chance of getting guys like fabri guys etc was i think just looking for a sacrificial lamb in the fact that Woodward was trying to save his job in the first year. That's what I think. Okay, I mean it's quite. I mean the point that you were making about Ferguson having not having to burden himself of thinking what the other manager would want, and then kind of putting the burden on that manager by having players that that burden. I would just say that he just wanted other manager of free hand because he wanted to try to shape the squad by having a new young building process. Then he'd be accused of trying to sabotage the other manager for the next couple of years. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it was just a thought that it came into my mind because we were talking, because because I'm looking at how Liverpool are set up right now. It's like 
Klopp is signed an extension so that he can prepare whatever is required for the next manager to come in. But again, but Ferguson never, you know, wanted. It was just this abrupt decision. If you look at what Ferguson's autobiography says, he said it was basically the fact that I think his wife's sister died that he suddenly decided to pull the plug on his term, right? So I don't think he had a long-term succession plan. I think he just decided six months in advance that he just wanted to be at home with his wife. So I don't blame him for that. It's not like he had a long-term succession plan ready. And no. in his final season, he did win the title, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I haven't read uh, Ferguson's biography for obvious reasons. I, I mean, uh, that rivalry is not... Exactly. But, uh, I mean... Uh, if that's the case, then I can understand because you need, if you're thinking about the long term, then only can you make a plan. If it's an abrupt ending, then I suppose there's no really time to make such a plan. And so, and you mentioned Woodward having a lot of risk. I mean, the the blame should so go on Woodward in trying in the fact that he should have chosen what's best for the club. Uh, but I think I suppose. The way at looking at it is, is because he was new and Saf is basically a god at United that I think he wanted to appease all the fans and go with what Saf had decided. So maybe that was the first first wrong step, uh, which is... In fact, if you look at United, didn't do, look, I understand that United didn't do well in the Premier League, but look at Europe. They, let, they were leading on aggregate against Bayern Munich in the second leg till about 75 minutes of the... Second leg. So, I don't think United did too badly. I think just the fact that you more needed time to build the squad. And sometimes, just for understand, some managers maybe may not be great at that higher step. Right. Okay. So, I mean, we've, uh, so with Woodward, right? Uh, I think you can agree with me by saying that when I say that Woodward's, uh, the main issue with when it comes to transfers is that there's been a lot of chop and change with managers and each manager brings a different style of play. I think that's the crux of it. That each manager that's been appointed has a, has a significantly different type of play, style of play rather, and which I think minim, a minimum number of the existing squad actually can adapt to. So what I mean is like, even when Rogers was there, right? And when Klopp was appointed, like both had an attacking sense or style of play. So both wanted to attack front foot. So you'd have more players who could adapt to that kind of style. Obviously the running became an issue, but it was not that we had to change the entire eleven, but you could see that with LVG's more pragmatic approach versus, I mean, or I think boring football at that point it had become versus Mourinho's more pragmatic, more park the bus approach. That yes, some of the some of the like the likes of Fellaini and um, Masia who could counter attack with the pace uh, were could adapt, whereas a lot of them had to be changed. And so, would you agree with a statement or a comment like that? Look, I, I agree the fact that the problem was with the managers, the fact that each manager wanted his own chop and change. I think this is where things has to come to Edward Wood, where he ha- where he had to realize very soon that he was not a guy like David Gill, you know, who could be trusted in charge of transfers. Appointed director of football, so you can have a clear direction, you know, where the club is going. Look at this club like Chelsea or City. They have had manager turmoil, they've had managers leaving. For example, Chelsea had various managers leaving within eight months or one year. The fact is, they've had a person at the top or even a group at the top realizing these are the players who are going to do a job for us for, let's say, three years, five years, ten years, or a youth player. And that is what United have missed. And the fact is, I think Edward Ward has alternated between giving the manager whatever he wants with, for, for the two transfer windows and not giving the manager anything he wants so that manager can suddenly be forced to dip into the youth of the club when that is not the way manager wants to play. For example, Jose. The fact is, I think Woodward is also just 
looked at like a business operation, you know, trying to raise money at the wrong time by selling players that he shouldn't have. For example, Hernandez. The fact is, he was a player who would have really done well under Jose and especially the second season, United were second in the table, could have really helped us in a lot of those close games, just, you know, nick, nick a goal here or there instead of drawing all the time. So I think Woodward has, has to give the blame, has to take the blame because he's not thought about the fact that they are different managers. He just gone up for what he thought was the biggest names at the time and that obviously doesn't work out. They just want to hire the biggest names in all time and each of them have their own style. So, in essence, your point is right, the fact that differing managerial styles have hamstrung this squad a lot. No, okay, but you you mentioned that Woodward thought he could do or he should have realized that he couldn't do the job that David Gill did. But do you think that it's actually the Glazers or the owner's responsibility to say, like, hold on, you can't do it? Because I spoke to somebody else, I mean, in an earlier podcast, who's a United fan, and he said... Ed Woodward will never say no to that job because, first of all, remuneration would be more. And the fact that he likes that power or that kind of, that sense of responsibility or that he has. And he won't think that, oh, I know I'm, he's not affiliated or he's not, he's not a childhood uh, fan of Manchester United from when he was a kid that he wouldn't let his club suffer uh, because of him. Like he's doing, he thinks what he does is right and he's getting so much of money for the club as well as for himself. So, at the end, shouldn't then the, I mean, the owners be on the owners to kind of get uh, to remove Edward Woodward from any of the ball sides? Are we putting that? I mean, yes, Woodward is to blame for the managerial appointments, but I mean, in the end, isn't it the owners who should ultimately take the responsibilities of putting Woodward in such a position where he sh- he actually isn't supposed to be? All right. So the fact is this: I think. The problem with United and the Glazers is that United fans have realized a long time ago there's no point about the Glazers and the fact is they've been complaining since 2007 or 18 and also had the yellow and green scarves movement. The fact United fans had gotten scarves into various games. So I think the fact is by spending the amount of money, I think Glazers have sort of let them let them let themselves off the hook saying we are ready to fund the club. We are not expertise owners and up to the guy in charge to do the job. I think that's where the entire problem is. It is a sort of circle and egg situation with the Glazers and Woodward where neither of them wants to admit that they are wrong but neither wants to admit that that they do they're not let's say qualified for the job and give it to somebody else. I think that is the problem that's hurting United today. Okay. I I mean I suppose so. So you're kind of saying it's it's, it's like both their faults but neither wants to really admit it so they kind of just come back yeah, wants to admit it and it's kind of letting bygones be bygones for the time being, right? And I think that's why the entire transfer policy is, you know, let us say messed up because each of them is trying to say that, for example, Glazer say we have funded so much, we have funded so much, we're almost trying, matching up to City's investment. So we are we are doing all we can. And actually, just because we don't turn up at games does not mean we are interested in the club's future. Woodward is just blindly signing people at times just for the pleasing the managers and the fans. Other times when results have gone back, Bad is just trying to force managers to, you know, play the youth team system. So I think both of them are clearly wrong. And I don't think any of them wants to admit that they are wrong and, you know, hand off power to actual director of football who can actually do the job. Okay. And, uh, okay. So let me ask you this. Uh, what was your favorite moment from 2019 as a Manchester United fan? Not, not too many. I think maybe the victory of City this past, this last month in December, I think it would have to be the one because, and maybe the PhD victory was, I think, the biggest surprise of maybe even the decade, the fact that such a team could even go to Paris and overturn a deficit there. 
Yeah, I think from an emotional point of view, it has to be PSG. Whereas from like a footballing tactical point of view, City was probably one of Ole's crowning glories or achievements. Yeah. Uh, all right. And what was your not so favorite moment from 2019? When all the lo- I think all the losses were so frustrated with smaller level teams. The losses to Palace and those were really hurt for the fact that when it really looked like they were just a training ground team for them, so that the other team could just learn how to play counter counterattacking football against their reserves. That's what it felt to me at points. Wow. Okay. Uh, pretty harsh words, but I think fair enough. I think they. It's true. It's harsh, or rather, it's sad but true. Metallica fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, but and what are your favorite? What was your favorite moment, or what are your favorite? What were your favorite moments from the past decade? I think I think it was starting. I have three offensive. I think the first would be the 2010. It's too very early in the decade, but I think Wayne Rooney's bicycle kick in 2010 against City. Classic. Would be my first. Yeah. Then second, I think would be. I think the season 15, and it's not a season United fans like, but the fact is when under LVG we won 4 2 against City at Old Trafford. The fact is that time United were being derided as playing old, boring football and still managed to beat Manchester City 4 2 in their performance, I think would be one of the most surprising moments for pleasant surprises for United fans of the decade. I think the third would be, I think, winning the Europa League because it's not the Champions League, but I think for United to finally win a European trophy after so many years I think it was really something which we liked even though for a lot of neutrals it was one of the worst finals the de- defensive football we had played but I think it was still a good moment for us to you know be be European winners yeah I mean we also were European winners when we probably played one of the worst Champions League finals but uh, yeah it doesn't matter you got it over the line that's all that matters to us yeah and uh, what was your not so favorite moment or moments from the past decade not so favorite a lot of them i think not making the not not being able to make the champions league knock knock rounds for a few seasons under lvg if i'm not wrong in fact we had to get relegated to the europa league and i think if you look at it from a helplessness perspective i think it have to be the 2011 champions league final where we were just outclassed by Barcelona on that day. Like we have had LVG, we had Mourinho, we had Moyes, but I think nothing feels the helplessness that I really felt watching Barcelona tear apart a team in 2011. Yeah. Okay. I I, I got to give that last one to you. I mean, it's it's good in a way that you didn't lose five nil, six nil to that team. Uh, but the, I think it was, I think I could argue possibly the best team that I ever played the game. Especially the same team that had just beaten Madrid 5 5 the previous year. And to just lose 2 1, I think, was the biggest relief as a Red fan that we didn't lose 3 1, that we didn't lose 6 0 or something, the way they were playing out that night. Yeah, that's true. And we, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, what, do you, what's, what do you expect going forward in 2020 and the upcoming decade? In transfers or overall projection? Overall projection. I think hopefully to be in the top. Top three regulars and win a league title or two, and then be a team that can you know be counted on blindly to get into the Champions League, bit like what Madrid and Barca are in Spain. I think that would be I think where we need to be and maybe win a couple of league titles. Okay, I I mean it's believable. I think the league titles. I mean it depends on how everything goes. But do you think whatever you said right now will happen under Ole, or do you see a managerial change? I really don't know because 
that's why i think if you look at how ferguson came in that's why ferguson sort of wanted moise to stay because, for a long time because look at ferguson he had a horrible five years i think there's no disputing that the fact is he was going to be fired it was just the fa cup replay goal that got him in the job so i think we have no one late league cup run or one fa cup run i think could keep ole in the job and i really don't mind i think ole i would i would be happy under ole but if it had to be under some other manager really wouldn't mind okay uh yeah i guess only time will tell where uh, yeah. all this future lies and where and hopefully manchester united can get their transfer act together uh, it doesn't seem likely but hopefully i mean now with the news of maybe bruno fernandes signing in january it could turn a corner like you said it just needs one click or one good run somewhere or the other and things could always change i mean we've seen how change for Liverpool. Yeah, I think for example, the one run to the Europa League finals they guys had with the Rodgers, you can call it the Rodgers squad. I think really changed on Liverpool. So the moment that Klopp was able to get them to Europa League final, I think it really changed perspectives in yeah. Liverpool. The fact I mean, you you could go on a European run. Yeah. I I mean it gives you a sense that okay there is a future here, there is a plan here. So yeah, I mean definitely it's going to be interesting. All right, so I guess that's all the time we have for this part. Uh, thanks, Shreyas, for being a part of this podcast. It was a pleasure having pleasure. you. Pleasure to appear. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely catch up soon. I want to get your thoughts on so many other topics. I think we've had discussions outside of this podcast, but uh, it'll be definitely interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, and I guess thanks again for tuning in. Uh, if you've been listening all the way from part one, or if you've just joined us now, uh, thanks for staying. And thanks for being here. Uh, and you can catch the future parts in the upcoming days. Like I said, throughout the month of January, we will be uploading regular videos, uh, regular podcasts rather. And so don't forget to leave a like, rate us, and you can also subscribe to our podcast channel as well as follow us on Twitter. So, I mean, the community is always growing, so you can join this community as well. We'd love to have you on. And I guess that's it for episode 24, part 14. I'm your host, Praddy, once again, and see you.